Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. So. Sweet. Let's send it. You got a drink? I got a drink. <laughs> that is, I do have. Then here's that. I do have um, my priorities straight. <laughs> drink, drink was poured a long time ago. This is the OKest Hunter podcast. Never pass on shooter bucks. That's just me, the freezer. It's your tag. You hunt how you want. This is OKest Hunter. I forgot to do the clap thing. There we go. <laughs> I'll make my job easier later, but welcome to the show. This is the OKS Hunter podcast. Coming at you from two places today. Coming at you from Oconomowoc, Wisconsin and West Bend, Wisconsin. And uh, Greg is down for the count. He's ill. Not feeling so, well at all, he said. Yeah, he was going to make it. And then he just must have declined quick and was like, I'll decline since I've declined. Well, poor guy said his voice was going in and out. I'm sure he didn't want to come in here and snap, crackle, and pop his way to a, <laughs> a painful night. Snap, crackle, and pop. Old Rice Krispies treat commercial reference. Very nice. Oh, boy. Well, speaking of hearkening back to things, like, well, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't know. When did Rice Krispies treats even come around? I'd have to Google that one. Um, big announcement today, though, on the live podcast. We are happy to announce a new partnership with Bear Woo! Archery. So, <laughs> Derek, you, you cheered before I even got it, the, the words off my lips. Woo! <laughs> I'm just excited, man. Well, it's funny because, like, I'm genuinely excited about it. We, you know, I I wouldn't want to partner with another brand. And, in fact, I I turned down some others and and really um, had worked for getting this one kind of lined up. And, you know, Fred Bear is is quoted, uh, and his vision was around make archery affordable to everyone. And to quote Fred Bear himself, one of my favorite quotes that I think I even put on your uh, drawing in here on that video that went out a while back is go afield with a good attitude with respect for the wildlife you hunt for the forest and the fields in which you walk, immerse yourself in the outdoor experience. It will cleanse your soul and make you a better person. So I, I couldn't think of a better company to partner with that aligns better with our mission and our values and our ethos. Um, certainly us. Okay. bunch, uh, 
money does not grow on trees for the everyday hunter. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with a Matthews or a Hoyt. I'm not here to knock other brands, but my pockets aren't that deep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, bear, the bear archery mission uh, really strikes a chord with us over here at OKS Hunter. So we're happy to partner with them. In this partnership, we'll be giving away bows throughout the year. They've partnered with us in the past at Foam Fest for the last two years. We gave away bows at Foam Fest two each year, I think. So four total so far. Your daughter was one of the winners of the pink I one. There's a beautiful pink bear bow hanging up six feet to my right uh, that my daughter still talks about, you know, at least every couple of days about her sweet bow. And uh, I just want to say congrats to you, Eric, because I know you've been wanting to uh, to partner with them. You've, you know, been a big fan of what they stand for. And I know that this is a, a pretty meaningful merger and you just do such a great job making sure that every business move you make aligns with what you believe in like what you stand for and i just want to say congrats man you 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 got a meaningful awesome partnership here so good for you dude well thank you man it's it's exciting and uh you know my kids shoot a bear they got the youth bows on lock you know i think it's the ambidextrous one where you can shoot left right-handed i would i wanted to start there to see which kid was which so i didn't have to waste money super affordable and super economical and fun to shoot and the kids have a blast shooting that thing and i'm happy to, to be shooting them so Come, I don't know, in the near future here, we'll be we'll be breaking down our build-outs of these bows. Greg and I are both going to be uh, shooting bear, Tyler as well. I've already been shooting. I've been shooting bear. I shot a dart and viper initially, which is what my dad gave me. And the first bow I ever bought was a bear bow. And, and because my dad bought a bear when he uh, upgraded from his darton, that's what he bought. And so maybe that's where it all started for me is like, that's maybe what my dad shot. But then I got... Did some homework and dug deeper on their brand, and I just I love it, uh, the mission and all that jazz. So we'll throughout the year we'll bring those folks onto the show to talk shop about these bows and the different ones that they have for different reasons and what might work well for you. Greg and I will be doing some bear shaft tuning, knock tuning, paper paper tuning, all of the tuning as we build these things out. We'll share that journey. We'll probably be visiting our local archery shop, Whale Tales, to to go for through some more of that stuff, but. Um, yeah, it's exciting. And stay tuned for, for giveaways. Uh, we're going to, they've, they've been very gracious and kind with their liberal with giving us bows to give to you guys, our audience. So um, we'll find some fun ways to, to collab on getting bows into the listeners hands. Um, I don't have any that, details uh, on that at all yet, other than might have something to do with the call in line. So we'll just leave it at that for now. We'll see. We'll see. Um, that's interesting that, uh, you know, you kind of started your archery area with, you know, I think there's a lot of people who started with a bear bow, but that was my first like adult bow that I bought was a bear. I started with like a kid's bow, like a, it was called the Browning Micro Midas that I shot from when I was like eight to, uh, I don't know, <clears throat> 14 or 15 years old. And then I had had my eye on this bear. It was called a, what was it called? An Epic Extreme. And uh, my dad helped me out. We went to the archery shop. We got the bear Epic Extreme. And man, I shot that bow for a number of years. Absolutely loved it. I've got a bear grizzly recurve on my wall right there. Now my daughter's got the cool bear bow that she won from Foam Fest last year. She won the legit, right? That's the one she has. Yeah. 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 It's And it's unbelievable. Like at first I thought like, oh, this is like, you know, it's, it's pink. It's, you know, ladies <laughs> slash youth bow. I was like, oh, this thing's going to be pretty adjustable it goes from like 10 to 70 pounds which is just unreal like anybody can shoot that thing 
It's yeah, and it's a ready to hunt package. They come with the whisker biscuit and and the the triple pin uh, trophy ridge sight on there, and they're they're good to go. Joel, my buddy, won one at uh, Foam Fest two years ago, and then proceeded to shoot it on the course with us at uh, Horican Marsh, right right there the same day, and and got it all dialed in and didn't lose a single air on the whole course. There she is. There's the winner right there. Yeah, there she was. She heard, she must have heard me talking about her bow. Don't touch my bow. <laughs> she probably did. She's probably like that me. Oh, it's awesome. She heard me say anybody could shoot it. She thought I was doing some target practice. <laughs> but so that's a, a fun, exciting announcement. Um, you know, we we announced last week we're working with Rack Hub. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a contest giveaway type thing with uh, Shed Season and Rack Hub um, soon. So we're working on the details of all that uh, actively here behind the scenes. But you know, they, one of the cool things, if you find a single shed antler, or if you do find a match set, Rack Hub has some really cool ways for you to display those antlers um, where you might not otherwise, you might have just laid on a table or something like that. So now you can mount them on the wall, get them on a really cool pedestal kind of display on a table, um, good furnishings to keep your house uh, decor decorated with memories and stories to tell folks as they come over. And usually those things are wife approved. No uh, fur eyeball skulls or any of that jazz. Uh, with the Rack Hub stuff. So pretty cool and surprisingly affordable. And you can use code OHP at checkout to save yourself some money. Uh, so those are the announcement things. Business as usual, we're brought to you by Half Rack, presented by. So uh, all of your hunting accessories from, is it called a gimbal? Am I saying that right? I say it, I feel like I always say that incorrectly. A gambrel. See, I do. I did say a gambrel. I need to look up the actual definition of gambrel and understand like what does that mean? It's a way to hoist I'm glad up you a deer. It up. The other day we were fussing around in the garage and I was trying to organize and clean a little bit. Well, I mean, we did the whole dang house and reorganized the kids' rooms and you know that process, go through everything and like, what are we keeping? What are we getting rid of? Let's go get rid of it. <laughs> and uh, we did the house and after a while I couldn't handle it anymore. So I went out in the garage and I started organizing there and my father-in-law, I don't remember if I told you this, but he bought me a, uh, it's like a Pittsburgh, so it's from like Harbor Freight. Yeah. But it's a, a remote controlled like hoist, yep. like a winch, you know? So I got that mounted up in the garage and I was playing with that and I hooked up the gambrel and I was like, oh, baby, this is going to make next season real nice. Hell yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause you've been using the playground in the backyard, right? Oh, gosh. It's been a shit show. <laughs> It's been bad, man. Been, I send you guys videos and pictures when I do it because it's just a, such a bad setup. It's it's pretty hysterical. My wife's like, don't you ever do that? I'm like, well, I mean, why not? I think that's actually a really good idea. That's great inspiration. I think I will do it. <laughs> she says I have oppositional defiant disorder and just oh, I really? do don't things, do it? anything Watch she says this. don't do, I do do. I'm like, well, but I was going to do it that way. I told you about it. And now you just think that I'm defying you, but I was still going to do it. Now you happen to tell me not to. And now it looks like I'm defying you. So maybe you're defying me is what's happening. Let's get real wife just kidding i love my wife <laughs> anywho uh <laughs> latitude outdoors i you know i can't say enough good things about those guys i i uh from like a business standpoint the quality of their products you know manufacturing in michigan good good down-to-earth dudes putting out amazing hunting content acting as though they're a media company they've surpassed a number of actual influencers and medias from a brand standpoint they're just playing all their cards and a really um favorable way and their products their innovation how they go to market and how they support that it, it's unbelievable um just an overall great company one that i'm really happy that we're partnered with and clearly we use all their stuff all season long we'll talk more about that as we get further into the year and uh 
you know, we'll have those guys on the show to break some more stuff down as well. And likely they'll be passing through Wisconsin at some point. We'll bring them in studio and stuff. But and on Spartan Forge, talk about innovative. Those guys continue to change the game of what is mobile mapping uh, in terms of an application. They are bringing things to market that have literally never been seen before. Um, and, and there's probably a play on words because you can literally see things on their app with the high quality maps that they put, put out there in contrast to the others on the market that you can see things that you can't see on other apps. Um, so kudos to those guys. Use code OHP. You're getting 20% off on Spartan Forge's annual membership. I think it's 10% to 15% across the others that we're working with. I don't actually know, but if you want to buy stuff, you want to save money, plop in that discount code and, you know, roll the dice, see what you get. I don't know. Um, enjoy. You're welcome. <laughs> Hopefully it helps. <laughs> it's going to be something. <laughs> Someone was mentioning the other day, like, hey, is Onyx or more expensive than Spartan Forge? And I was like, I don't know. Uh, maybe. I'm not really sure. Um, but go check it out. And so Spartan Forge, I think they had raised their prices not too long ago. And I think it was like 50-ish bucks for the year or something like that. And I was like, well, plop in the 20% discount code and you'll save. And I think it ended up being like $12 a year or something. So uh, maybe that's I think cheaper. I think they're different in how they're set up too. Like I think through Onyx, you can buy like individual states. And then if you want all of them, obviously it's, it's a higher a much, price point. Yeah. And Spartan Forge is just everywhere. Spartan Forge, I think it's a one time you get it all. Like yeah. here's the application, go nuts, which is which is pretty damn nice, especially if you're an out-of-state hunter. You know, you're going to do some traveling. or You don't have to buy more and more and more and more states state. and continue to see your subscription rise and rise and rise. Yeah. Which I'm, you know, I'm sure and then it becomes one of those background things you don't think about, but yeah. it's recurring every year. And you're like, where in the hell is this money going? Yeah. Why did that? Why is that so much? Right, right? You got to go into your app and see what you're subscribed to. And be like, holy shit. What's going on here? <laughs> um, anywho. So Oak Tree Dreams is asking who's ready for turkey season. <laughs> Laugh out loud. Uh, warmest birthday I've ever had, and it's normally 30, negative 30. Laugh my, laugh my ass off. Heard gobbling, too. Good to go. I, I mean, Drew, you heard gobbling already? Holy crap. It's early, man. But, These birds are fired up with this warm weather. Hey, we got a caller, Derek. You want to take one right away? What the hell? Let's do it. All right, we got Noah. You're live on the show. Noah, how you been, buddy? What's new? Oh, pretty good. Uh been a while since been able to call in i actually have uh i started a winter bowling uh hunting league um on tuesday nights now that's awesome man where at where are you going for that uh blackhawk bow hunters it's over in uh, verona awesome how you doing you shooting good shooting okay <laughs> that's what we like to hear <laughs> that's our standard right there yeah <laughs> only okay yeah, right? Funny you guys talking about uh, bows and not having uh, the tubs on. You know, that was the goal is to have tubs on. We didn't have a better topic, so we, we thought we'd stay in our lane and see how far Derek <laughs> and I can take it. But, yeah, Greg Greg is the the, the master tinker of, of tinkering with bows. I mean, that guy, I, I want to get him a bow press for his birthday or something because I think he would make good use of it. <laughs> well, no doubt. Yeah, Greg and I, yeah, just, I talked to him. I just uh, got Go ahead, Noah. Yeah, I was uh, I was talking with them uh, a couple months back because I'm actually uh, in the process of getting a new bow. We were nerding out with some uh, arrows, uh, talking about arrows too. So, sounds about did right. Did you get some? Am, what what kind of bow did you get? And what arrows are you getting? Yeah. So uh, I bought a lightly used uh, Hoyt RX seven. Uh 
transferring over. I'm currently shooting a uh, the rebranded bear. It's uh, Cabela's branded. Interesting. Okay. It's been a good bow. Like I, I heard you guys' partnership here. Congrats on that. Yeah, thank you. It's exciting. But uh, going with this new Hoyt, it's the Carbon, which I've heard nothing about. It's light as light as hell and quiet. And then the arrows I'm going with, uh, following Greg's lead and going with the Grizzly Sticks, doing yeah. the heavyweight, high FOC, all that fun stuff. Yeah, it's a process cool. to yeah. get that stuff dialed in. I'm following Greg's lead there as well, going with Grizzly Stick. Ever since uh, Method dissolved, uh, it was a sad day, um, but we got we got uh, in touch with the folks of our Grizzly Stick, and they continue to steer us in a, in a nice direction. And with Greg's guidance, of course, I can follow that direction appropriately. So <laughs> <laughs> it takes takes effort. Yeah, actually, uh, because of that, I actually got into fletching as recently too. So diving into that. It's fun to do all awesome. my own arrows. Yeah, it gives you a lot of a pride when you're when you're going through it, and when it, you actually kill someone with the stuff you built and set up. It's like the high FOC stuff, and without going too too extreme with it, I think it does have its place as long as you're not trying to take super long shots. The further those arrows get out, the they drop fast. You know, the they just boom. They just like it'll look oh, like it just yeah for sure. It, you don't even see the arc happen. It just looks like it like literally teleported to a lower path uh, towards the ground, but. You can punch through animals with them. That's for damn sure. The uh, the high FOC yeah, stuff think. is really, it's got its place too. I mean, if you're a tree stand hunter who's hunting four sticks, five sticks high, um, I, I think that's probably not the ideal place to be using real heavy arrows. Um, <clears throat> just because of what Eric just mentioned, you got the drop, like the archer's paradox, you're always going to get the drop. And like when you're already elevated, that just slims your margin of arrow down of error down so much but like if you're watching the uh the hunting public guys and whatnot anytime you set up on the ground or if you're low in a tree stand you can take frontal shots or quartering two shots with a real heavy foc and a real heavy arrow fixed blade you can take shots that you couldn't normally take and be really lethal i think eric uh sorry greg shot one what two or three years ago eric he went through the front of that doe and it exited out the hind end of her and like was sticking in the dirt. I mean, that arrow went lengthwise through the deer did catastrophic damage um, from the, from like very low, you know, height in the tree. Yeah. And it was just it was unbelievable. <laughs> it was gr- It was a smelly gut job, but uh, yeah, it, went, it was wild. It went full through. It, it was like full pass through the long way. And it wasn't intended to be, he didn't take that shot just because of that reason either. It was like the doe had turned ready to, crouch ready to She's turn she turned into, into it. it right yeah yeah which that's a plan b scenario that is talked about but i wouldn't say we're, we're sorting all the the ranchery pixie dust but i think you could probably lick a little bit of that and have some luck you know with your setup just taste it i mean i just it, it's that exact reason why i'm kind of going for it. like you can you can believe the research or not whether or not it's actually gonna 100 percent pen to a a shoulder blade. But for me, it's like, yes, I'm always going for that, you know, just behind the shoulder, straight double lung, or maybe a nick the heart. But it's that, oh, the deer took a step at the wrong time, or the deer didn't take a step at the wrong, at the right time. And, 
you know, a million things can go wrong when you have a million different variables in your shot. Yeah, a million and dynamic just, variables. So like once that arrow leaves the string, shit starts to go wrong or goes right. I mean, it really depends. It's just shit happens. And it's once it leaves the, yeah. the string, it's out of your control. You know, you can only control so many things. And you practice enough. You do archery league. You do 3D, you know, killing some foam in summer. And you get comfortable confident with your setup. And hopefully you can put a good shot on some in season. And it all comes together. Yeah. It's not like not like a bullet you know 308 you know hit that most places in the deer and it'll go down <laughs> you know yeah uh, and, it, that's and the dynamic part too is everybody is different like eric and greg's draw length are probably inches over what mine is so me having a shorter draw length if i'm shooting a light light arrow and i hit the shoulder blade with so much less you know what i mean like less draw length there's less yeah. force pushing on that arrow through time it, everybody's got their own situation. You really got to take that into account too. When you guys are, you know, doing your setups and figuring out what, what you're going to be shooting, what weight you're going to be shooting, what draw weight you're going to shoot. All that stuff makes a big difference. Oh, for me too. It was really funny. I have a, I think like a 30 and a half draw length somewhere in that ballpark. And when I was ordering the grizzly sticks, I had them not cut it because that's my full arrow. <laughs> And they emailed hey, me and they're like, those. hey, uh, you sure? Like, what are you doing here? Like, I also go like, by the yeah, alias of... Right now, or... <laughs> I also go by the alias of Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> Orangutan arms. That's like me pulling back to here. <laughs> no, are we going to see you at the uh, Open Season Sportsman's Expo in the Dells this year? Yes, I'm planning on it. Uh, might have to work around a little bit around work, but I will be there. All right, man. We'll come suck down a couple of bush lattes with us on the house. Oh, of course. Thanks for calling in, buddy. Good to hear from you. Yep, no problem. Have Take a good care. one, Noah. So other things. Um, so we're we're getting these bows from Bear, Bear, B A R E, uh, and I've been shooting an HHA single side pin. Uh, forget the name of this one it's not the optimizer what is it called oh boy this is why i need greg on these podcasts because he knows my setup <laughs> really well and i'm just so the optimizer not the optimizer is kind of like the more simple single pin right it's got like the simple lever adjustment it's like a bar that goes across yeah and then the one i'm shooting um it's a little bit more dynamic where it's got the just a wheel you turn on the fly um, is it the tetra the te no isn't maybe that's what it is um let's see oh no no yeah it's not the optimizer that one's pretty basic it is the tetra you're right it's got like a dial um which i really i went from a three pin to the single pin and at first it it, it felt a little awkward at first and now i've just gotten really used to it and i really enjoy that i found at least in the in the deer woods uh, in the stand much like i can't remember anything I would in the like i'll hit record on the podcast and i can't get words to come out of my mouth correctly i'll talk about a sight pin that I see the brand name of every day and I can't remember what it is or in the tree stand, I'll draw back and I'm like, shit, which of the three pins is the one I'm supposed to be using? And then I panic and then I start, then in, insert second guessing, then choose wrong pin, then let arrow fly over back. Like not great. And, and common sense should prevail. Like you should know that, you know, if you want to aim down, you pick the top, you want to aim high, you pick the low, you know, whatever. That's not how it works in my brain. So having one sight pin, 
simplifies that for me. But then I have to remember to put it on the right yardage, um, which I've become overly religious about. Like I'm fanatical about making sure that I'm uh, using my rangefinder to range find objects. And then I know exactly like the both bucks I killed, I changed, which is a problem. Actually, I actually don't recommend that for in the field because having to change range as you're, because you can't be drawn back to do that. You got to do it and then pick your bow up. So like bucks are moving. It's a, it's a tricky call depending on if they're closing in on you. So you got to kind of pick your spot and hope that they land in that range. And then, and you're kind of like, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. We're talking about building out bows. Maybe this is one of the pieces of, of uh, topic of discussion here. Well, yeah, that's one of the things that's nice about like, you know, the horizontal fixed three pin site is if you got like a 20, a 30 and a 40 and they have their gap, you know, the top two are a little closer and you've got a buck coming in 20 yards, you draw back and all of a sudden he starts tailing off, you know, further away and you can kind of aim between your two pins because you know that second one is 30. Whereas when you have a single pin, you're set to that yardage you're kind of married to it yeah and unless you i mean it it pays to practice though like i try to practice to see where mine hits if i'm aiming at like a 3d target if i hold my pin at the top of the back at 35 and it's sighted in like my 20 yard pin where do i hit you know what i mean like so it kind of pays to like that's the whole fred bear mantra is like he was watching the flight of the arrow so many times on the traditional bow he just knew how that arrow flew and like a lot of the instinctive guys would talk about throwing a baseball. Like when you throw a baseball to someone, you don't think about how much force it's going to take to get it to their glove. You just do it because you know you've seen the flight of the ball so many times that you just you just do it. Like you don't think about it. And the same is with a bow. That's why like the more you practice, the better you get. The more you see the arc of the arrow and you understand where your arrow hits at a five-yard increments going out, the better off you are. So like, yeah, do I do it <laughs> religiously and perfectly? No, but like, I see the value in it. And like the, the more you shoot and the more, you know, those pins and where you hit at those ranges, the better it's going to be for you. That's a good analogy, man. I think there's a term, uh, Oh, shocker. It's going to talk about philosophy, but there's a term in philosophy called, and I forget which philosopher talked about it. Um, may have been Kant or, or Descartes, or uh, I can't remember the other guy's name on top of my head, of course. But it's called eudaimonia. And I don't know if you've ever heard this term, eudaimonia, or not. <laughs> Essentially, it talks about getting doing something so often, like if you're a carpenter and you're woodworking, you basically, if you consider the modern version of it, it'd be like the 10,000-hour rule that uh, Malcolm Gladwell talks about in, in um, whatever his book is called, 10,000 Hours or some shit. But essentially... You do something so, 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 so much that it becomes sec- it almost becomes like breathing. And, and not just that you become to memorize the activity, it's that you get to be the, the best at it. And it's like an extension of you. So you, Diamond is reaching or achieving this perfect, not perfect, but like this um, sense of being where you're doing this activity and you're doing it at such a high level because you've done it so, so much. Um, I, I would imagine someone like Fred Bear or may, I don't know, maybe a modern day Jared Scheffler is shooting a longbow uh, in such a way that like it's an extension of themselves and they've reached eudaimonia with it. And they're so good that it's second nature, like breathing. Um, maybe that's a, a, a place to get in any archer's mind is to achieve that level of confidence. I mean, I think Bear, I forget the guy that they're actually partnering with, but I see a lot of their content. They got some um, recur is a recurve or longbow. I'm not sure. 
of this guy doing all these trick shots and he's picking things out of the air like like i wouldn't even be able to see let alone shoot <laughs> it's like let me just put the arrow through this ring that i chucked up into the sky like are you freaking crazy i wouldn't find that in the grass my wife would kill me <laughs> there was a there was a guy named byron ferguson um he's still around but i mean he's he's up there in age now but he used to be on you know the sportsman channel and all that stuff and i don't remember the name of the show but he was an instinctive archer who i think shot okay. longbow and uh he did all those you know aspirin out of the air at 20 <laughs> yards someone would throw it he would do like the ricochet shots they'd like hang a piece of metal on the hay bale and like once you know the flight of the arrow like it's what you just mentioned it's it just becomes second nature. You don't even think about it. It's just instinctual, which is where the name comes from. Instinctive shooting. And I'd add to, to achieve that level is such a good feeling. Like, and that level, anything, this is especially in archery. Like if you have that level, it, it just has to feel so good to be that good at something. It's very rare that we as humans achieve greatness at that level. Um, I feel like there's a certain job I did for, you know, a half or close to a decade and I got so good at it. Then when I left it to go learn something new, I was like, oh, no, I suck again. Like, I missed feeling whole by being so good at something. Like, I don't know, maybe you can compare it to the modern day Call of Duty Warfare. I don't even know if it's a game that people play anymore, but like, you'd, you'd, you'd get to like 100 and you'd be the best in your class at you'd have all the abilities to use all the stuff. And then you'd prestige and then you'd have to start over again. You prestige 100 freaking times and suddenly you're like you're a force to be reckoned with in the, you know, call of duty warfare world. I don't know how you prestige as a bow. And I think going back to trad bows would definitely be one of those ways to prestige. Like, Oh no, I'm still doing archery, but now I'm back to ground zero learning something instinctively rather than through it by picking a sight pin. So kind of going on a, on a rabbit hole here as Greg would call it, but. <laughs> no, but that's, that's, I mean, there's different tiers for different people, right? Like the, uh, the trad bow stuff is for the people who want to invest the copious amounts of time it is to learn that art and to know it. And then if you're not, if you don't have that much time to invest, like you have the compound bow and like you just mentioned, you know, range finding the site, the pins, the movable pins, these are all ways to just like help us zone in and like be more accurate without necessarily understanding everything about the flight of our arrow. And then you got like the crossbow, right. With a sight. And like, you know where it hits and like a lot of the sites are calibrated to how many feet per second. And like, it's just a progression all the way up to like rifle, scope rifle. It's usually pretty good out to like almost 200 yards. There's just different, you know, steps on the ladder for where people are and what makes you feel comfortable. And I guess at the end of the day, you got to look at yourself and think about what you want from it and how much time you can dedicate to it. And then uh, put your best foot forward, which is what we've been talking about, like getting new bows and like, bear shaft tuning like how far do you want to go to make sure that you're to the best of your ability well in the military they have you they have you they have you go through scenarios like a gas chamber for example and yeah it sucks to go in a gas chamber um however it's not for peer punishment per se it's to a experience what it's like to be in that scenario to breathe that shit in but b it's to to become uh trustworthy of your equipment and once you know that you can take a mask off and put a mask on and clear it appropriately, that you can trust that that equipment is going to work for you. And so it's building up your confidence in your equipment and coming to rely on it. And if you're shooting a, a bow, practicing is important, not only to get repetition and because there's muscle memory in that and so forth, but also to gain that confidence and comfortability with the weapon that you've chosen. And it's important that you're comfortable with it. So like Noah just said, he got a new Hoyt carbon bow. 
and he's switching from the Cabela's bare version of that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm switching from one, I've switched from one bare bow to another, and now I'm going to try another. I'm going to keep my, uh, existing one, my incumbent bow on hand in case I'm not comfortable with the new one. And I'm going to pick whichever one is comfortable for me because comfort to me breeds confidence. And if I feel uncomfortable with it, if I, the grip isn't right, or if I feel like the let off isn't where I want it to be, or it feels a little too rigid for my liking, um, I'll go back to what's comfortable because I, it's very important to feel comfortable and confident with your equipment. So you don't need to marry yourself to a bow because you want to have a Hoyt or a Matthews or a prime or a bear pick the bow. That's good for you. And, and to be quite frank, you know, clearly we have partnership, but we'll, the reason Derek doesn't have a bear bow is because he shoots what he wants to freaking shoot. And no one's <laughs> going to cram anything down anyone's throat here at OKS Hunter. Um, shoot what you want to shoot. Because it's comfortable. It's kind of like trucks. Like all trucks at a certain caliber nowadays, they're all pretty damn good. I think you go back yeah. to like 1980 and like, oh boy, you you might regret the choice you make with a certain truck because the engines weren't there, the trannies weren't there. Like the trucks now, they're all pretty damn good. And I go pick the one that's comfortable for you. Like you're like the position of the seat and the way the steering wheel feels and the where the, the armrests are. Pick the bow that's good for you. Like don't marry yourself to something because you I you know your identity is attached to a certain brand. Um I might argue my own against myself. My 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 I am a little bit attached to the Bear brand because I like their mission. But they have enough bows in their repertoire that I think I would find that works for me. And that being said, they are not letting us have any of their fancy flagship bows because that does not align with our mission ethos to the OKS hunters. So we're only getting like the mid-grade ones and the beginner ones. Just just throwing that out there. And I think it's important to call that out. Like uh, that is absolutely true. I'm glad you mentioned that. Otherwise, I was gonna have to say it out there. Well, you guys didn't get the no. the top of the top. <laughs> like you guys are right there where the working folk and like the general hunting, you know, like the general hunting public. That's where they're living. Yeah, and I and the one I have from last year is also not the the most expensive one. Uh, and their product lineup. And and I did that because I shot them all. And I was like, I didn't like the most expensive one. It was, it was too much bow for me. Like, it just was. I didn't need that much bow. It was like, I'm not I'm not a tournament archer. I'm a bow hunter. Like, you won't see me killing foam. At least until my kids are older. I'm not going to be part of, like, an archery league. Uh, maybe when my kids get older, I can bring them. And I can do all that with more time on my hands. But for now, I kill foam a couple times a year. I shoot my bow as, as much as I can in my backyard in my basement. Beyond that, I'm a it's a hunting bow, not a not a archery or 3D bow. And some guys got both. Like some guys do have a, a bow just for one set of one for the other, which probably is smart if you have the money to afford multiple bows. The confidence factor that you mentioned though, like look at just our group of guys, the OKS hunter guys here and the OKS Fisher, uh talking about Matt. You look at like who who's the dead eye of the group? It's Matt. Like typically Matt is out shooting everybody. He's got the oldest bow out of all of us. Like, <laughs> and he's just comfortable. In that bow. Yeah, he's at that point, I wouldn't want to switch bows. I'd be like, you know what? This one works pretty damn good. Try not to switch. Yeah, I don't know if I want to get rid of this one quite yet. It's got some kills left in it. Like, he's, yeah, yeah it's, it's all about that comfortability. And nowadays, kind of like the truck comment you made, but uh, like most major bow companies are producing a damn fine bow. Like, you, it's hard to go wrong. Like, depending on what you want, yeah, the upper echelon has got some bells and whistles, and they're, they're a little more fancy. But compared to 20 years ago, like what you're getting across the board is a lot, lot better, more efficient, energy efficient. Um, so I don't see a ton of debate in like bow brands. Like everybody's got their little loyalty. But where you see the most 
controversy and like arguing seems to be in like broadheads. And that's like, that's like a confidence thing too. Like if you've shot something and it's worked for you, who cares what anybody says? Like if it's doing the job for you and you feel comfortable and confident killing with that, just do what makes you, you know, what, what you're confident with. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly not easy to bow hunt in contrast, especially to gun hunting. Crossbows have reduced that, that, um, you know, that ability to kill something. I, I, I actually really like crossbows because, and I don't want to, I guess I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but the reason I like them is that, and people say crossbow hunters aren't real hunters. There's this romanticism around being a true archer. And, you know, at some point, then you got to back your way all into going to stab something in the, in the neck with a knife. Like, you know, where are we going to draw these lines here? Um, but that said, like, if you're hunting a crossbow, it was initially because you had an injury, like your shoulder hurts. I've, I injured my shoulder last summer for the first time ever into a capacity where I couldn't do a damn thing. I couldn't lift up a five-pound five weight. It was terrible. Um, I don't even think it's fixed or healed. I think it's still, if I go and exacerbate it, it'll, it'll probably, like, re-injure itself or something. So I was like, oh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get a crossbow. Like, I don't know if I can pull a bow back. Um, I was, like, heartbroken about it. But then I thought, you know, older demographic has crossbows. And then people that are getting into hunting that, don't have the time to go shoot as much. I don't see the problem with that. Some might say, well, then you're not a real hunter if you're not dedicating the time or that. Eh, I don't know. I don't know what we want to call a real hunter. If we want to ever define that term, but they're so lethal because they're so fast that if you make it an, an argument, an argument about ethics, it'd be hard to argue that, you know, it's, less ethical than a compounder than a recurve. Like you're, you're going to have a lethal kill most often with a crossbow in contrast to a compound or a trad bow. And that being said, um, what was the other thing I was going to say? I think I lost my stupid train of thought, but I think then the, the other argument becomes, well, but now they're killing more deer that maybe I would have had a shot at. And now it's an unfair playing field for the rest of us. The and other argument that I hear with crossbows a lot too is because they're faster, more efficient, yes. that people take shots that they typically shouldn't take in archery that, hunting. That very well may be a problem, right? The mentality is, oh, you know, it's, it's we're shooting 400 feet per second here, no problem. Um, and but that's an individual problem, right? Like that's not that's a that's an individual problem of like whoever's pulling the trigger. That's that's an issue for them. Yeah, it's not an issue. That's, I would say, an umbrella issue over the whole thing. Because not everybody's making that choice. Um, and I think that's on, on each person to make well, sure that they're doing, doing the those shots with, with compound bows. I mean, you got the, the campaigns yeah. of the world <laughs> popping drones up at 100 yards. And, like, I, I'm all for the further you can shoot, the more accurate you'll likely be within a shorter range. Um, I sight my rifle at in at, you know, 200, 300 yards. Um, there's a range that'll go 300, but I'm only shooting 100 but like that hundred should be right on its mark. Um, yeah, I, I, but again, if I had a crossbow, I don't know that I would then suddenly be like, Ooh, 70 yards. I'm going to kill that thing. Like I just, I might be tempted though. <laughs> I might be tempted. I'm not like if I, if I'm putting myself in that situation in, in the mental space of my mind right now, I'm thinking, interesting. I wonder if I would, but it's a bolt. It's not an arrow. It's a little bit different. It's, it's a wholly different thing. I don't think I would though. I still think, I would need to be a lot closer. You could really, you could really f up a shot at seventy yards. It's like the whole concept of like, you change an airplane two degrees from New York to California, you're going to end up in Alaska. Like, 
the farther out that shot gets, the 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 larger the margin of error becomes. So I don't know. Jay says people get overconfident with crossbows. It needs ethical people behind them. It's all about how much you practice and uh, what's your personal profici proficiency. There's a lot of peas. Well, <laughs> <laughs> little alliteration for you. Yeah. Yeah. To your point, Derek, and, and to, to Jay's, it's like personal preference. Do what you're confident and comfortable with. If you think you can kill and you've shot at that range uh, for a long time, like more power to you. Here in Wisconsin and the, and the things that uh, will impede your, your shot if you don't have shooting lanes on public land, which often on public land you don't. Um, it's not like private land where you can cut this beautiful shooting lane and, and it's, the buck's going to read the script and you get it done. It's like there's way more variables and sticks in your way and shit like that that you just don't see coming. And that's where most of the problems come from, right? Like, Eric, I've seen some of the spots you hunt. I've seen video from where you hunt. Like, <laughs> most of the areas that we're hunting, a 30-yard shot is a poke. Like, yeah, wow, I yeah. can't believe I've got a 30-yard lane to shoot. Like, <laughs> But in low light, those sticks become a little bit harder to see, and all of a sudden that long-range shot gets to be a lot riskier. Um, which I guess in the long run is why – guys like Greg and we reach out to Greg so like we can tune up and try to get everything as perfect as possible so that if we do have that opportunity, it's possible. But man, realistically, I haven't taken many shots over 24 yards in my whole bull hunting career. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like That's good. I think 34 or 35, somewhere there has been my, I've, I have shot at that range and that's as far as I will shoot and having shot at that range, I won't shoot further than that range. <laughs> Like, I just, I, I won't confidently shoot past that at a living animal. Um, now, maybe it's a human that did something wrong to my family. I might take a further shot. That's a different story. <laughs> I want to get weird with it. Jeff Genke said, whoever complains about hunting with a crossbow should never hunt with a firearm. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, um, Raven did a, a I wouldn't call it a stunt, but they did a, a, a PR thing at when they launched their crossbow a number of years ago they took it to chat show and they were the only crossbow on the entire um at range day on the range on the firearm range and it was putting groupings together just as good as a firearm was next to a rifle and so their slogan at the time was meet your next rifle and there's a lot of controversy around that slogan but it was kind of like saying these things are pretty damn accurate um right next to a firearm so to jeff's point i think that's relevant um I had another point there I was going to make with uh, set up the bow. Getting your strings changed out. That's important. If you're going to bring it to the archery shop. Um, I sold my, my, oh, my old, old bear bow, the bear empire. I've been single cam uh, bear empire that I've been shooting for, I mean, shit for a number of years before I got the new one last year. Um, sold that to, to Jace, our camera guy, actually. And I was like, you got to put new strings on this thing. <laughs> I do not recommend shooting it until you go put new strings on it. Please go new strings on it. Um, I don't think I have to worry about that for a while with the new stuff here, but getting the, the drop away. What's that called? The drop away rest. You rest. Yeah. Yep. Getting that on there, all the stuff configured and built out. I'm, I'm looking forward to the, to that process. I tried to do it with my kids last year. That wasn't a good idea. I think it was cool for like <laughs> a half a minute, like until they started to get really impatient. Um, the guy at the archery shop that's helped me out. He did something where he, I gave him, I was like, here, here's my, here's my uh, groupings at this range. So he, I marked the tape and then he put the tape on, but he put the tape on wrong or like it wasn't perfectly lined up with where he's like, oh, I'm, I'm off. 
Um, so I had to redo it all again. So if I didn't have to redo it all, it would have been a great experience. So I was right where I needed to be, but then I had to redo it. And then that was like past the threshold of what my kids could tolerate for their level of patience as children. Um, but I had them. Shoot yeah. Cause when we, when we went to the, uh, deer veins, uh, Anthony Heller shoot, I think your bow was just a couple yards off. Yeah. I had to make a small once adjustment. You, once you compensated <laughs> for it, you were like nailing it, but you could tell it was just like my ah, first shot in front of everybody. Before. I lost an arrow. I was like, damn it. I haven't even started yet. And I've lost an arrow. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so just, did you win? just for show. That was an okay. You- hunter move. Yeah. I was just making sure you guys know what you're, I'm just hustling here. You know, like white men can't <laughs> jump. Yeah, look how bad I am. And then 10 ringer. Yeah. What? <laughs> Did you and Greg uh, get your arrows ordered already? Do you have them? I have my arrows. Um, I Yeah, I have arrows. I need to shoot them with the, the bow. Um, so I'll be spending some time at the local archery shop and or Greg's basement uh, fairly soon yeah. here. So I'm, and I'm same here. I just. It. I just had to order a dozen new arrows. I'm going on that trip uh, to Texas to do some hog hunting. Right. And I've got like a hodgepodge of arrows right now. I got a couple left over from my vector ones. I got a bunch of old ones. I was like, I really need to order some new ones and get these set up. <clears throat> so right now they're bear shaft. So Greg was like, you got to get in my basement. Let's shoot some bear shafts and get them flying good. And then uh, I'm a lefty. So we'll fletch them up. I don't even know exactly which direction helical you're supposed to fletch for a lefty. <laughs> uh, if it's the opposite of righty, or if oh, it depends yeah. on your bow and how they come off the string, but I got to get that sorted out. And then uh, I think I got the weight and everything figured out. I got to get uh, what is my your half arrow? out. What is your, what do you think you're going to end up with for uh, your, your weight and grains for the arrows? Um, I'm not totally positive what it'll, what the total weight will be yet with fletchings and everything like that. But I got, uh, what I ended up going with was, uh, I used to shoot Easton axis arrows and I, I really liked them. Um, then I switched over to vector. I loved those. Uh, but now vector being out of the picture, I went back to Easton axis, uh, long range four millimeter, uh, which is a very skinny arrow, which is like um, what would, vector was, they were a micro, a, th- a thick walled micro diameter. Yeah. Yep. So the thick wall made them super durable. The smaller diameter makes them great for penetrating. Like they're almost a nightmare to shoot at like block targets because the suckers go right through them because they're so skinny, but they're great for penetration. And what I used to hate about the micro diameter, because I had an Eastern arrow called a carbon injection and it was a real small one, might've been four millimeters. Um, But you used to have to get these different inserts um, with smaller threads on the broadhead. They were called deep right. six inserts yep. because they were narrower. So you had to buy special broadheads. And then like the throat of the broadhead that screwed in was real narrow. So it fit. Well, those broke all the time because mm-hmm. it was thinner. You know, it's like a really important connection point between your arrow, the insert and your broadhead. Those things just weren't that durable. Like that's where you want the power. So now they've got a new system. Easton has like an outsert. So I'm going to be getting like a steel outsert. It's 95 grains, similar to what we were shooting with Vector um, that'll go on the end. And then you can shoot a normal threaded uh, broadhead, which I think is way better than uh, than what we used to do. So, yeah, we'll be using Greg's paper tuner. I was just- probably bear shaft, probably bear shaft testing them first, seeing how they fly, seeing what the spin is. And then we'll definitely be paper testing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm genuinely excited to to throw some arrows through that paper tuner um, that Greg's got. And and thanks for, for commenting. If you guys had an opportunity to call in, 
uh, feel free. The The phone lines are open. The number is 262-757-4122. We got a little bit of time here still. But all that stuff is a process, man. Like, in, su- in such a way where, like, if you start shooting your rifle and to, to get groupings and you're trying to get uh, everything kind of sighted in and, and BZO'd or zeroed out, whatever you want to call it, at some point your shoulder starts to take a toll and the barrel heats up and, like, you can only shoot so many rounds before you start to, like, fatigue out on getting accurate and with your bow and arrow setup at some point too like yeah you eventually start to get a little sore from holding shit back you don't have to worry about your barrel getting hot but you almost got to take a little bit of like an intermission to come back at it to make sure it's not what i love most about spending time practicing and tuning things up is it removes the excuse of like my equipment failed me you can then say it was my fault and then you know it was a human error like Get your fundamentals down. Get your anchor point down. Get your, get your comfortable in your process and your tune for like getting those mechanics right. Um, and then if your equipment's all dialed in, like you know, if you miss, it wasn't your equipment. Hopefully. Well, yeah, that's that confidence piece. And Greg just commented in, but if you go through the tubs protocol <laughs> on, <laughs> on knock tuning bear shaft arrows, like at the end of the day, if you go through Greg's process of doing it. You got you got all the confidence in the world because like you've done everything in your power to make sure these things are flying like freaking darts. So then, I mean, that's what you need, right? Yeah, Greg, you can laugh. <laughs> You're meticulous, brother, and I appreciate it. That's why I'm taking you up on the offer to uh to help me out with my new era. It is nice. No, we do have a caller. Uh, you're live on the show. Who do we got with us? Yeah, Matt, the paper tuner guy. There we go. Welcome hey, to the show. How's it going, Matt? Oh, another exciting evening. I kept looking on Instagram for you guys and it never showed up. And I'm like, I better check YouTube. And there you were. Oh, I think we're live on Instagram, but maybe I didn't do it right. Uh, there's a good chance I didn't. Instagram's tricky. We got to do a couple extra steps to get live there. But uh, I, I'm I'm willing to bet that you have some Greg Tubbs type, t- type tendencies. Damn it, another tongue twister of... how did you come across so just real quick explain to folks we won't make this a whole episode um but explain folks what paper tuner is and how it works and uh, the advantage of doing something like that with your product and just in general whether you have your product or not yeah obviously paper tuning is i'd say the most important and simple step you can do because the paper doesn't lie so you shoot through the paper and then the paper tells you what's going on with your arrow and once you know what's going on with your arrow you can adjust your bow and obviously you can get as fine tuned and detailed as you want to go down that rabbit hole but at least get get it going straight within a few feet from your bow <clears throat> and for and, those those that don't yeah. know pa- paper tuning like if you're sending an arrow through paper think of your arrow fishtailing and if it's fishtailing through paper, you're going to get a, a different... The, the goal is you want to have like a bullet hole going through the paper, not something that's a tear or a rip that would indicate your bow is kicking out on it or something like that. Like Those are ways to fine-tune your FOC and all of those other things coming out of your arrow that it's going... Or coming out of your bow straight and, and true. And yep. that's what your product helps identify. And there's a process in getting that. And the way your product works it makes it really easy to keep sending arrows through that paper. Otherwise, it's kind of a pain to set that kind of stuff up. Yeah. Definitely, you don't think about how something as simple as shooting through paper can be so beneficial. 
Because I definitely have a tendency to put a little hand torque into it, and it's nice to just go into the garage, shoot a couple, see if you're shooting straight again, and then head out. All my targets are outside in the backyard, so you start missing or start having some weird things happening. It's pretty easy to walk in, shoot a couple through papers, see how you're doing, and go from there. Or like you guys, I think Derek was talking about changing his arrows up. One of you guys were earlier today. It's every time you change something on your arrow, something's going to change on your bow, and your arrow flight's going to be affected. I don't know if you drink the Kool-Aid of the heavy arrows, the adult arrows, or if you're uh, out in Vegas right now shooting <laughs> completely different setups from tack to Vegas to hunting to whatever else you're doing. No, I think it's a, I think it's a cool, well, yeah. effective way to, to tune your to tune your setup. Um, and and I think it looks good down in uh, Greg's basement, too. Yeah, well, if you're yeah. Greg and you drop tune your bow every so frequently, um, if you drop tune, you always want to follow up with a paper tune. <laughs> <laughs> but Matt, I do have a question for I've you. Never had good um, luck with the drop tuning. <laughs> um, I did have a question for you since since Greg, Eric, um, and myself. I mean, anytime you get a new bow, right? New bow. Um, that string tends to stretch out. It's super tight when you get it, right? So after you've sent hundreds of arrows down range and maybe that string loosens up a little bit, stretches out a little bit, do you notice any difference or have you heard of differences in how a bow shoots, the tuning, how the paper tuning reacts as that maybe string lengthens out from use? You know, from like you got the bow brand new, fresh out of the box, and then 500 shots later, is there anything a guy should do to tune up the bow? Have you noticed anything through paper? Does that change much as the string kind of stretches out or finds its, you know, its normal stretch? Oh, yeah. As obviously, if the, your string is stretching, your timing is also slowly getting out of time. So as that starts stretching, you'll start seeing that, Maybe your tears are a little bit off. So, unfortunately, I don't have a press at home. That's where you do need a bow shop or a friend that's got one where you can put it back on there and see if your timing is still good. That's good advice. Yeah, I think it's a matter of time before we buy Greg a bow press because I think we're just going to make him our bow shop. And it'll be like package. It'll be packaged as, this is a gift for you, Greg, but one that we'll take advantage of for many years to come collectively it's like when you get your wife something that you want to use yeah yeah honey this is really yeah it's for you i swear this is, this is definitely for you to help me <laughs> thanks greg thanks in advance, greg. no it's cool uh matt th thanks for calling in we appreciate the the call it's good to hear from you it sounds like you got my my note on ig so appreciate it and uh can you tell folks real yeah, quick if yeah. you called in where they can find your products and and how to see uh what you got to offer there yeah definitely so obviously the name of the device is papertuner.com so that makes it pretty easy so uh if you're in the market for a tuner either you're doing your own thing or if you got a small bow shop in your house it's kind of the perfect setup because the whole motto is i don't build things from the ground up i build them from the ceiling down and that's why it's called the hang and shoot paper tuner so it uses up no floor space so check it out and if you say you 
heard me on the OKS podcast, send me a message on Instagram and I'll shoot you over a discount code. Oh, there you go. Fun. Look at that. Nice. That's Rock great, on. Matt. Thank you. Appreciate taking care of our no listeners. No problem. Then when Greg gets that pressed, uh, let me know. So I'll send my bowl over there too. <laughs> Sounds good. So we'll, we'll make sure we tell everybody. <laughs> we can do a little powwow. We'll right, all cool. get tuned up. Yeah, we'll get tuned up. We'll bring some beers and to get to get tuned up in more than one way. Appreciate the call, man. Have a good night. You too. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Matt. It's always fun getting callers. Uh, Josh Osborne. No, no, I'm just starting to get real weird with my words. Shoot in some 3D shoots with your hunting setup is a good way to get the nerves going. Similar to hunting if you can shoot with a complete stranger. Yeah, I, you know, the actually... When we did the the 3D um, archery playground at Anthony Heller's deer vein shoot last summer, and we did the knockout round where you just kept going up against other people to knock out. Head to head, yeah. That got the nerves going because all eyes are on you, and it was different than just shooting the course with your pals. Like, yeah, I don't really care if you guys saw if I missed or not, but suddenly I was like, the 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 factor of competition, the factor of all the eyeballs. I was like, shit, feeling a little. My heart's pumping a little bit here. This is a little bit more uh, simulating how I'd feel in the deer stand. Like, shit. It was funny because I didn't anticipate feeling nervous at all. It just, but it, it came It's crazy me. how that little bit of uh, the little bit of mind games can play can really get the adrenaline going. I used to shoot a winter league with some buddies. I'm at a little tiny archery shop in northeastern Wisconsin called Lena Swamp Archery. Really great shop. Really nice guys there. <clears throat> and we used to shoot a winter league. And it's like a real narrow range. Went out to like 33 yards. So you get like, you know, they had guys packed. You're like back to back. And then if you're a left-hander, you're like back to front. It's real awkward. <laughs> but like you're all packed <laughs> not, in not on the line. Punch. Oh, my God. And I tell you what, I used to punch the trigger a lot because if you weren't the first 10 guys to shoot, like if you drew back or like you were taking your time looking and all of a sudden everyone had shot all eyes went to you it was like a whole new mind game of like holy shit everyone's looking at me i gotta get this arrow off they're all waiting and instantly in your head you're like panicking which is exactly what happens to me when i'm like trying to force it on a buck like oh my god gotta make it happen gotta make it happen it's the same freaking scenario and that's usually when you fuck it all up <laughs> well yeah those fundamental things too like i think uh, uh paper tuner had just mentioned uh the torque how you hold the bow you know like yeah, there's just so there's just so many damn components, you know, and, and it's like, what went wrong? Well, I don't freaking know. Was it my equipment? Was it me? Was I was holding it? Was it my anchor? Was it my did I punch a trigger? Did I flinch? Like what like who knows? There's just so many things. But I've missed deer. I've clean missed two deer. Yeah, I've clean missed two bucks. Um good for me for getting in front of them, but damn it. You know, like I'm like, I couldn't tell you what happened because I feel confident, I feel comfortable, I've shot my shit, I know what's going on, and then boom, clean miss over the back. Like, what the shit am I doing? You know? What the heck did I do wrong in that scenario? Who knows? I don't know. I wish I did, because then I would course correct appropriately. But the ones I connected on, I did everything right. So, like, you can either do things wrong or either do things right. And hopefully it's more of uh, the latter than the former. Like, do more right things than wrong things. Practice will help with that. But when I'm really confident like that, then I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm so confident. I don't know what could have gone wrong, you know? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But well, good topic. Thanks for for hopping on virtually here tonight, Derek. Appreciate it. Sorry you're sick there, Gregor. Feel better, buddy. And uh, with that, I think we'll end the live broadcast. And everyone that tuned in, enjoy the rest of your week. Go shoot your bow and stuff. Look at that.
A drink just appeared. Cheers. <laughs> great. Oh, fun. All right, guys, you have a good one over there. I see where this night's going. <laughs> All right, I think that's our cue. I see it. Do you think this is a sleeper or a witch's 